Uh, guys, we're in a series uh, called You, Inc., The Art of Leading Yourself. I've said it each week, and I'm going to continue saying it each week, that there's probably never been a time uh, that I've been alive where the, where the need for leaders is more prevalent than the moment that we're in uh, right now. Uh, so we're talking about uh, different ways that you and I can grow in leadership uh, for our personal benefit and also for the benefit of those who we're leading. Uh, but not just leadership in general, the way Jesus leads, the way we see uh, the, the, the Bible uh, giving us an example of what godly leadership looks like. This is what we aspire to. So today, I want to let you know uh, right out of the gate what we're talking about. It's a word that, that most people have a visceral reaction to, and that is the word authority. Today, we're talking about authority. Now, before we get into the text, uh, in fact, if you have a, a paper Bible, you can turn to Numbers uh, 27. Um, but as we get in there, I'll, I'm going to tell a little story about, about uh, authority. Um, when I was 16, my first car was a 1987 black Camaro. I realize that's not fair. Many of you are sitting in here like, what? That was your first car? That was my first car. It was a V8 engine with a stick shift. It was the most boss first car. I tore into my high school parking lot like I owned the world, okay? But uh, that was not always the case. In fact, you know, when you're 15, 15 and a half, what do you need to do? You've got to get your permit, then you have to get your license. And so I had, I had worked on, on, you know, all the things that you need to be able to do, the parallel parking and all this stuff. I was ready to go. And last minute, as I'm going to the DMV uh, to get my license, uh, which on like the day that I turned 16, I realize that's different for many of you now, uh, but when I turned 16, you didn't wait four seconds before you got to the DMV and got your license, okay? The day of, the second that place opened, I was there. But the car that I was used to driving got switched, okay? So all of a sudden, I was in my dad's truck this day that I had to do the driver's test in, and I went into the DMV, did the you know, written portion, aced it, crushed it, right? And then I'm with the instructor, the one with all the power, all the authority in this moment to determine whether I can lawfully drive a car in the state of Missouri. We get into the truck, and you know, you're nervous. If you've never taken your driver's, it doesn't matter how, it, 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 you're just nervous because somebody else has power that you don't in this moment. And he asked me to turn on the headlights. And it's a car that I'm not that familiar with, and I can't find where the headlights are. Normally, they're on the little twisty knob lever deal. I don't even know what it's called, okay? <laughs> you twist it, headlights turn on. Not the case with the truck. I'm twisting the, you know, the lever on the truck, nothing's happening. And I don't know where the headlights are. And I look at the instructor and I say, I don't actually know where the headlights are. And literally within four seconds, I failed my driver's test. I probably to this day have the record for the shortest driver's test failure in the history of Missouri. I failed <laughs> so miserably with such speed. It is a true marvel, right? And I was seething. 
I was pleading with this person, the person with the power, the person with the authority. Like, come on, give me another chance here. I didn't get another chance. I had to come back. I had to set another you know, time and a reservation. And of course, uh, I, I passed my test. I'm not driving illegally in case you were wondering. <laughs> but our reaction to authority, right, it's an emotional one. Uh, there are so much, there's so much emotions tied to the word authority, people in authority, people who have positions of authority that, that relate to you and to me. It's an emotional thing. Authority is not transactional. Um, it, it is emotional. And that's why when, when people hear the word authority, there's oftentimes a gut reaction. Uh, we, we, we have a negative impression many times. We think of abuse before we think of, of, of a good experience. And so uh, this morning, as we get into what it looks like to lead with godly authority and to follow godly authority, uh, we're going to have to comb through some of the emotions surrounding this conversation. Let's start off with a working definition of authority as we get into the text. Uh, if, you, if you have a dictionary, if you are a dictionary nerd, authority is the power to influence or command thought, opinion, or behavior. Authority is the power to influence or command thought, opinion, or behavior. You can see why we have such strong reactions and opinions to this word and to this experience. And I want to be clear today. Every single person watching has a measure of authority. Whether or not you lead a team of people, uh, whether you're a coach, uh, whether or not you're a teacher, whether or not you have some kind of political office or you're a police officer or, or have a badge of some kind, it, you don't have to have all of that in order to have a measure of authority. Even if you're leading yourself, God has given you a measure of authority, right? He's handed you the ability to control certain things. And so here we are. Uh, I want to add a, a, a footnote caveat in this moment, that one of the challenges I think that we as Americans have to authority is our love for independence. We are an independent people, and that has, that has allowed us to be innovative. It's allowed us to be incredibly creative as people, but also uh, the underbelly of that is that many times uh, issues of authority, of following, of humility can be of great challenge. Now, pride, that is, that's the name of the game for all of humanity. There is a brokenness in all of us, right, that only Jesus can make right. But there is also uh, a, a disposition. Uh, some people struggle with this more than others. Different people groups struggle with this more than others as it pertains to authority. So let's get into it uh, today. Numbers 27, 15 through 20. Uh, this is God speaking to Moses, Moses speaking to the Lord, and they're talking about uh, the, the, the transfer of leadership in this moment. Moses said to the Lord, May the Lord, the God who gives breath to all living things, appoint someone over this community to go out and come in before them, one who will lead them and bring them in so the Lord's people will not be like sheep without a shepherd. So the Lord said to Moses, take Joshua, son of Nun, 
a man in whom is the spirit of leadership, and lay your hands on him. Have him stand before Eleazar the priest and the entire assembly and commission him in their presence. Give him some of your authority so the whole Israelite community will obey him. Give him some of your authority. Today we're talking about leadership and authority, and I want to give you three truths that you need, and, 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 and it's vital for you to understand as you seek to lead yourself like Jesus and also to lead others like Jesus. There is a biblical way to understand authority, a godly way to understand it, to follow it, to yield to it, to walk in it. And we desperately, right here, right now, in the year 2020, need to be able to grasp this. So here we go. If you're a note taker, the first thing that I want you to understand about authority is that authority is always given. It isn't taken. You can't just grasp for it. Now, you can bully your way into positions of power. You can intimidate. Uh, you can be heavy-handed. You can be the angry leader. But understand, that is actually a compensation for the authority that you actually do not have. And that's why people use intimidation and anger and bullying to get their way because they do not have true authority. Look at this. In, in Numbers 27, I already read it. Uh, God says to, to Moses, give Joshua, give him some of your authority so the whole Israelite community will obey him. There's a laying on of hands, a releasing of authority, a designation of, of, of authority in this moment because authority is given. John 17, 1 through 2. Um, this is Jesus. He's looking to heaven. And he says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you for you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Jesus was given authority by his heavenly father. Luke 9, verses 1 through 2, Jesus calls the 12 together and he gave them power and authority to drive out demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. If you want to keep going, there are scores of passages in the Bible where we see authority given away. It isn't taken. It cannot be grasped. It's given. True authority is always given given. It doesn't really belong to you. Hear that for a second. If authority can be given to you and authority can be taken from you, then understand authority doesn't truly belong to you. It's given to you in which you are responsible for it, right? You have a stewardship of it, but it is not yours. And because it is not yours, it ultimately belongs to God. That should invoke a measure of humility in us because it doesn't truly belong to us. It's not yours for the taking. It's given to you, and it can be taken back. What you have, you have because God gave it to you. So in our church, even though we haven't set up in a long time for church, I say long time, I guess since March, uh, it's been a hot minute, okay? Uh, but we, we've had setup teams. We have teams that serve with kids. We have teams that are serving on the worship team, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. One of the gentlemen who leads our setup team uh, is the great Michael Miller. 
Uh, some of you know Michael, if you're watching, if you haven't actually been to our church. Uh, he is an incredible man who I call the apostle of setup, right? I jokingly refer to him as such. Well, you need to understand, how did he get into this position? Much like Joshua, he just served, and he was faithful, and he served, and he was faithful, and he was noticed, and then conversations happen, prayer happens, and authority is then given away. And Michael now has the authority to do what? To create teams, to speak on behalf of the church, to set things up, to make decisions. But how did that happen? Well, that authority was given to him. That's just a small microcosm of how this looks in a local church. Some of you lead life groups or you're aspiring to lead a life group. Well, how does that happen? Well, well people recognize uh, you know, a heart that serves, a heart that's faithful. Conversations in prayer happen. And then there is a, an official releasing of authority for people to minister on behalf of the church. This is just one way that authority is given away. Uh, some of you have, have, been, have received authority at work. You've gotten promotions, titles, things of that nature. And that's happened because you have faithfully served in an informal capacity and literally found yourself in a moment where you were given formal authority. Authority is given away. Throughout the scriptures, we see uh, authority transferred. Even in Matthew 28, Jesus gives away authority to do what? For the church, for you and me to make disciples of all the nations. This is the authority that you and I have been given. And because you have been given this authority, it should not only produce a humility inside of you, it should produce a boldness. Because this authority isn't something that you have to muster up in your own strength. Authority doesn't come from the clothes you wear or how loud you can be. It doesn't come from how charismatic you are. It comes because God rewards those who are faithful, those who are servant-hearted, and he releases authority to them. And consequently, this is how we find ourselves uh, in Matthew 28 as people who are striving to make disciples and to see God's kingdom come. You should know that you are not operating in your own strength. You are walking in the strength of the one who gave it to you, the authority that he has given you. The Bible says when you've put your faith in Jesus that you and I are ambassadors of Christ. That means that you and I get to represent him fully in all the authority that Jesus Christ has given. That gives me boldness and confidence. And because it's also not mine, it also reminds me to be humble. Because authority is given. Number two, authority should be used for the benefit of others. Matthew 20, uh, chapter 20, 24 through 28. Uh, you got to love some of the disciples' moms are, are getting in a conversation with Jesus. And they're basically, you know, they're, hey, when you get to heaven, Jesus, I want my son on the right and there's other son on the left. And they're, they're trying to angle this, right? And they're basically trying to get, you know, the, the, their sons to have positions, right? Positional authority. And uh, Jesus... He reminds them of what true leadership looks like. And all the other disciples are mad, you know, because how dare you? I can't believe you'd do that. Meanwhile, all of them secretly are like, come on, give me some of that. 
right? You know how this works. So in Matthew chapter 20, verse 24, when the 10 heard about this, they were indignant with the other two brothers. (laughs) So Jesus calls them all together. He says, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them, but not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus sets the record straight about what great authority and great leadership look like. It's not about you. It's about the benefit of others. When we talk about authority being emotional, this is why, this is one of the reasons why we have such a visceral and even angry response when we see authority misused. Because there is something deep down inside of us that understands that those who are in authority are to use it for the benefit of others, to serve and love others. There are literally entire books in the Old Testament where the prophets spend all of their time right, addressing and rebuking and and correcting those who are in positions of authority for misusing it and abusing it. So here Jesus is once again kind of riding the ship. He says, "This this is what true authority looks like. It looks like you serving and giving your life away for the sake of others. Now, you know, my, my son, Graham, um, I left him in charge the other day for the first time. I, Amy was, I think, probably at the gym. Um, and I, you know, all the kids are with me at the house, and I had to leave to go pick something up. I can't even remember what the details were. But I pulled Graham aside, and I said, okay, Graham, here's the deal. I'm going to leave, and today you're in charge. For about 15 minutes, you're in charge. And he looked at me and he said, really? I said, yeah, you can handle it, right? Dad, I got it. I'm like, okay. I hadn't actually left yet, and he thought that I had. And I literally hear him call up the stairs for all the kids to come down the stairs. <laughs> all of his siblings. So they come in the living room, and he says, okay, everybody. Dad has put me in charge of all of you, okay? And so (laughs) I poke my head out. I'm like, hmm, I may need to have another conversation. So I I come back in, and I'm like, kids, why don't you go back upstairs? Let me talk to Graham for just a few minutes. So I talk to Graham about what it looks like to lead. This This isn't a moment for you to get all that you want in lording your authority over your siblings, what great leadership looks like in this moment is now you being the one who's leading in such a way that if your siblings are having trouble with iPads or they're fighting over this, you forfeit the right to be like everyone else. And now because I've put you in charge in this moment, you get to graciously wade in and help serve your brother and sister. Oh, they need something to eat. Someone can't reach it. Okay, well, you're in charge. 
It wasn't nearly as exciting to him as he initially thought it was, right? Leadership and walking in gracious authority, it can be challenging at times because it is a call for you to forfeit the right to be like everyone else and to lay your life down like Jesus for the sake of others. Number three, authority is gained through humility. I want you to just track with me on this. Joshua followed Moses for 40 years. 40 years this guy's being faithful. For 40 years he's serving Moses. You don't think at times that Joshua, I mean, he just reached his ceiling. I can't do this anymore. I've had enough. My ideas are better than this old guy's ideas, right? But Joshua didn't do that. He was faithful. He was humble. But not just Joshua. We see the same, we see the same principles at work. We see Elisha serving Elijah for how many years? Ten years, right? Before he took up the mantle of his master, of the, of the, the one who'd mentored him, his coach. We see Paul following Jesus for three years. We see Paul with Barnabas for multiple years being mentored, being invested in, following, following, being humble. And yes, they made a lot of mistakes, as in a lot of mistakes, before they turned the world upside down. But we see the the quality of of authority and leadership being one that's rooted in humility. Once again, serving one another. This not being about you, but being about others. When I was first kind of entering into ministry, I was a campus minister in Nashville, Tennessee. And I was was on staff. It was a very large church in the you know, many of the pastors who were on staff at the church had been successful in other ways long before ministry. Many of them, were, some of them were professional athletes, former businessmen, et cetera, et cetera. Well, when you're young and, and new to ministry, you don't know that. You don't see that. You just see guys rolling around in sweet rides, nice homes. You know, it just seemed like the, this was the life, okay? And as I'm, you know, an aspiring young minister... One of the things that, that I was tasked with doing repeatedly was I was the coffee guy. Go get the coffees. Go get the coffees? <sighs> okay. Go, and I go get the coffees. Oh, hey, run to Walmart, pick that stuff up. I need you to do that. Oh. <sighs> okay. Go to the airport and pick up this guy who's flying in at 3 p.m. What? You know, oh, hey, by the way, I need you to pick me up at like 11.30 p.m. and take me to the airport. Okay, this is ridiculous. I've had enough. By the way, there's a Christmas tree that we purchased. I need you to pick that up. I'm going to be out of town on a mission trip. I need you to pick that up, take it to my house, and set it up. I'm going, I'm going to hurt you right now. (laughs) Okay, little did I know that what these pastors were doing in this moment was trying to work out the pride of this young fraternity guy that, you know, is graduating from college, an aspiring minister, but they saw something that I did not see. And I saw all these pastors, and I saw people like me serving them in this moment, following them, and I thought to myself, 
I cannot wait to be a pastor because once I do, I will have everyone waiting on me hand and foot. <laughs> Need to go to the airport? You, pick me up, drive me to the airport. Coffee, come on, bring it up. Do, Mountain Dew, do me, right? This is who I literally thought to myself, this is gonna be the best. I'm gonna have a big church. I'm gonna have a sweet ride, a fat house. People will serve me. This is the, why wouldn't everybody wanna be a pastor, right? Little did I know that that is absolutely the opposite, the exact opposite of God's heart for leadership and authority. I mean the exact opposite, which is why, thank God, my pastors had the wisdom to say, this guy is called, but this man needs to learn how to follow before he will ever learn how to lead. And great authority is rooted in this idea. No, not even an idea. It's rooted in humility. Your ability to humble yourself, to not be the most important person, but to allow others to be more important, to allow others' needs to be more important, to sacrifice oneself, to follow, to lay your life down in humility and follow another. And it's amazing when you can truly give your pride over to the Lord, when you can give that to him, release it to him, and faithfully serve. It's amazing what God begins to give you. And understand, he gives it to you. He gives authority away. And he gives it to those who will lay their lives down in humility for the sake of others and for his kingdom. You need to know, I had some brutally painful conversations. Conversations that left, that were tearful conversations, okay? Wrestling with, with, with the tension of what I thought authority was and what true biblical authority was. God hasn't called us to lord over anyone or anything, but to give our lives away. This is the kind of leadership that we desperately need right now. This is the kind of leadership, might I add, that we need from our politicians. This is the kind of leadership that we need in our homes. This is the kind of leadership that we need in our churches. We need this kind of leadership, the kind of leadership where we understand that what we have been given can be taken away and it results in a humble action, a humble working out of, of God's authority in our lives. He gave it to you, he can take it away. And it produces a humility and a desire to serve, a desire to love, a desire to give your life away for the sake of another. This is what we need in this hour. And I'm calling you to it. The art of leadership, the art of self-leadership is knowing what it looks like to have godly authority, how to use it right for the sake of others. Let's pray. Father, thank you in this moment. God, whether we are in a position where we're actually leading a team of people, whether we're, God, a, whether we're at home right now, just, Lord, trying to make sense of our own personal life, I thank you that you have called us
to lead and you've called us, you've given authority to us. God, I'm asking today that you would help us as a people to steward this authority well. Lord, that, in, that, we, would, that we would move in faithfulness and responsibility. God, in humility, a desire to serve others. God, to not boast of ourselves, but to boast of you. Lord, to not grow our kingdom, but to grow your kingdom. Lord, to give our very lives away for your sake, for your name, for your kingdom. This is our heart. This is our heart's cry. Help us to be this kind of church to one another and for the sake of our city and our community. Jesus, we thank you that this is how you lived. You literally came to this earth. You had all power and all authority, and you laid your life down for us, literally to the point of death on a cross for our sins. God, and we're thankful that you rose again on the third day, victorious over sin and death, because all power and authority belongs to you. And then in your infinite wisdom, you begin to give it away. Lord, help us to represent you and to lead like you today. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Go and lead like Jesus today all the authority that he has given you. Lead. Be strong. Be faithful. Be humble. Sacrifice your life for the sake of others. Amen. Amen. Have a great week. I'll see you right here next Sunday.